Yeah, you. Put the headphones in and crank it. You're listening to Trans Talk Raw. I'm Nikki Marie Dawn, and I'm with my co-host, the lovely Terry Allen. We're a couple of trans survivors, rocking the airwaves, bringing you our lived experiences, opinions, and a ton of info about being transgender. This is episode 44, and today we're talking to Amanda and Zoe Knox. Amanda wrote the best-selling book, Love Lives Here, a story of thriving in a transgender family, which was published one year ago. Amanda and Zoe also have a trans daughter that came out one year before Zoe did. We had a blast chatting with these two ladies, so let's get started, shall we? Oh, okay. Live on Facebook. Oh, are we? There it oh, is. Yes, live on oh, Facebook. Oh, dang. Oh, gosh. Okay. What? <laughs> or it takes 20 seconds to, like, show up on Facebook? I know. Everything is, like, lagged out, right? So, obviously, if you make a mistake, they don't see that you made a mistake for at least 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, good. You were trying to run away. Right. Okay. <laughs> <Don't enjoy that. laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, well. Anyway. All right, guys. Uh, welcome to Trans Talk Raw Live on Facebook and on all of our podcast platforms. And I do apologize. I got some big thunder happening in the background here. Hopefully you guys don't hear it and it doesn't interrupt too much. But yes, I'm in a major storm. Fun, fun. Today we have, uh, we're very, very fortunate to have Amanda Knox and Zoe Knox with us. Um, two individuals that I highly respect in so many different ways. Um, Amanda's obviously written the book, um, you know, Love Lives Here. Um, super good book. I'm sure quite a few people that have been are out there uh, have, uh, have read it already. Um, I haven't, only because I will be waiting for other reasons to read it, and we all know what that is, but that's an underlying story that we won't get into. Um, outside of that, um, we want to welcome you guys. Uh, hope, you know, it's great to have you guys here. So welcome. Yeah, oh, thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's so cool to have you guys on. Um, we are on live, so if people do want to ask questions or anything like that, go ahead and do so. If not, uh, do please hit replay or hashtag replay that you watched it and any comments or questions that do come in. We will end up answering those as we proceed or go or after the show has been, has been finalized. So let's get started, and I'm going to put Zoe right on the test right away. <laughs> I'm not even going to fool around here because no. obviously we have a standard you know, question. We have a standard, standard question, question that we always ask all. And I would ask this to Amanda, but this mm-hmm. doesn't count for Amanda. So we can't ask that question. Zoe, how did you come up with your name? Oh, well, that's actually kind of a funny story because um, I had some other names in mind. I've always liked the name Zoe. It's just. I don't know, it just sounds kind of nice, but I had other names in mind. And um, if you've read the book, you'll know the story because it's in there. Um, but I proposed certain other names and they were strongly vetoed. <laughs> by, a, by a certain individual, as by I understand. By a certain it. individual yeah. who shall remain nameless. Oh, okay. Remain yeah. nameless, okay. yes, yes, yes. yes. Right. Um, very, very, someone very close to you, I think. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. She's, she's very close to me, actually, <laughs> right now. Um, but anyway, no, so the rule was we actually have a lot of A names in this family. And one of the rules was like, I couldn't pick a name that started with A because, you know, then our, our youngest would have been the only one who had a name that didn't start with A and would have felt very left out. Um, 
So that was one rule. And then I just kind of ended up going totally to the opposite end of the alphabet and saying, well, what about Zoe? And that was that. Mm. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Because that was what we, that's one of our usual standby questions we always like to ask everybody that comes on the show. Because usually some people uh, have a really long story. I've heard other people just come on and go, why did you name yourself that? Because I like the name. Well, that's basically it. I do like the name. Well, that's, and I've always you know, just kind of felt like it. Which is, which is good. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Um, so why don't we get started? Obviously, we know that, uh, well, the one-year anniversary of Amanda's book has uh, just kind of passed. It's been within a day or two or something like that. Um, Thursday, so, correct? It was, Thursday, it was Thursday, wasn't one it? Year? Yeah. Thursday. Yay. 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 So, and a fantastic book, obviously. Uh, very well rated. I hear a lot of people talk about it and that sort of stuff. So how does it feel to all of a sudden be a year past already? Um, still going strong? I mean, gosh. I really, I, I've had so many feelings about it. Um, I, I didn't realize I was going to look forward to this day like a birthday. I actually had a hard time going to sleep the night before. It was really weird. So before I published the book, everyone was like, I, I kept watching other authors and they'd be like, oh, my book baby, my book baby. And I, we have a million children, well, four, but... Um, but you know, I was like, I was like, okay, book baby, please. All right. It's not like a real baby, like, you know, get over yourselves. Um, and, and, and then I started calling it my book baby right before it came into the world because wow, do you know how long you have to incubate that thing? That's like an elephant. It's like an how, elephant. How, how long did it take you to write it? Uh, but, well, okay. So from the time when we first got into talks about writing the book to the time when it was published was two and a half years. So it's actually a long process. It was probably about 18 months or so to fully write out the book because um, I had never written a book before. I had only written blog posts and articles. And my first draft was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> it, it wasn't bad. My, my editor would like me to know it's not bad. <laughs> It crushed my ego. Like, my ego was, like, hemorrhaging on the floor. There was a lot of red pen. It was terrible. Uh, it was, like, yeah. bleeding everywhere. And she was like, it's not That's what an editor does. It's all about the red pen. Yeah, they crush your soul. Editors crush your soul. A good editor will crush your soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, it's 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 not that it's bad. It's just that you need to write it more in book form. So it was there was a lot. There were many um, suggestions, many suggestions. Um, and it became, I'm, I'm so glad because I realized how important editors are in this process. They're the unsung heroes of a good book. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it was, um, it was uh, about 18 months, four different, you know, editing cycles just to clean things up a little bit here and there. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then it came out into the world and, uh, I'm, 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 I love it. I still see it on shelves. It makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. I've walked through a few bookstores and I've seen it sitting right there in Indico and, you know, other places too and that, uh, yep. so, you know, that's Amazon so cool. and other online yep. places and yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So what made you, what inspired you to write this book? Like, I mean, obviously that would almost sound like a logical you know, thing, but it's I'm just something curious. going on in your family. I, mean, I think, yeah, like something, you know, something. I mean, obviously, you've had a lot going on in your family, and and that. So, kind of give us a, a bit of a background on that. So it's based on true events. 
I don't believe you. No, it's not I fiction? No, I thought it was full fiction, actually. No. Full fiction. If it was full fiction, they never would have published it. They'd be like, this isn't realistic. As trans people are fictional, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. right? We're just a, a blur, yeah. Um, so, it, We're not you know, really. it really started, uh, so for people who don't know us, um, our middle child came out at the age of 11 in 2014, and uh, told us that uh, she was not a boy. So at the time, and when I wrote the book, she told us that she was a girl, and now has more stated that she feels more non-binary. She still goes by she, her, uh, sometimes by they, them, more comfortable with she, her pronouns, so we will usually use she, her. Um, but but still definitely knew that she was not a boy, absolutely not a boy, and, and, um, and so she, she told us, and... We had to, well, one of us had to learn more than another one of us in this well, that's, relationship. that's not entirely true. I had to learn a lot as well because I had a lot of misconceptions about it, even though I knew I was trans the whole time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. When, so when did you, when did you know, Zoe? When did you know? I, I remember as far back as about age seven or so, and I can't really remember much before that anyways. So I think probably always knew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Curious says, Zoe, uh, how did you deal with it at such a young age? Because, I mean, and the only reason why I asked that is I knew at six and I had to start dealing with it then. And it was, you know, how did you find it? Did you put it behind, tried to hide it or how did it work for you? I would say I dealt with it badly. Uh, yeah. it was Does any one of us time. deal with it well? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Not exactly a time when you could be trans. Um, I didn't even know what the word was, really. I just, I just knew that I, I wasn't what people were saying I was, and that I got beat up a lot when I said otherwise. And mm. so, yeah, I learned to hide it very quickly. I, I started mm. watching how boys played and interacted, and I just tried to copy stuff, emulate, mm. yeah, mm -hmm. emulation, adaptation. Most yeah. of my friends were actually girls growing up until they decided that wasn't cool. And you know. Right. So when did you actually start to uh, say to yourself, well, I have to do something? Like you started, it just started to build up. Like so many of us, we, we get into a position where we just start to blow apart and we don't really have a choice. We need to move forward, mm -hmm. right? So how did that work for you, Zoe? So honestly, I really started to fall apart around age 12 or so uh, when I was going through puberty. And I, I actually ended up um, in a psychiatric hospital because I was really self-destructive. Wow. And we didn't talk about that too much in the book. We kind of glossed over that. But I have really struggled with the trauma of this, and it's really affected me. Um, I was, you know, hugely self-destructive and suicidal and very, very depressed. And through most of my teen years, I just, uh, you know, I used a lot of drugs, and I did whatever I could to not think about stuff. And... Finally, by my late teens, I had really kind of made up my mind that I needed to do something and to transition and uh, had figured out what I needed to do. Um, so I started to do that when I was just about 19. And I was living in a place that, you know, just wasn't going to accept that. So really, it came down to the choice of, you know, I can either transition and be out on the street or I can go back in the closet and, you know, maybe make something out of my life because I had just started to kind of clean up my life at that point and go back to school and you know uh, try to really live so 
I decided at that point I was going to wait. Mm-hmm. And then I met Amanda, and things went from there. And, yeah, so I, I just kind of hid for a long time. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you're, it's, it's interesting because as soon as you start to talk about your story, it reflects very much as to what I went through. Same thing, heavy drug addiction, trying to hide it, try to do whatever you can, coming to the realization that, you know, you had to move forward. Um, and I don't want to go down this road too much because obviously it can bring back a lot of memories and stuff. But when, you know, you had been in the hospital and that sort of thing, was there any talk at the time of going into, say, for like a conversion therapy or something like that? Or was that ever mentioned or did they actually understand what you were going through and helped you in any way to get you to move forward? It was never mentioned because I never talked about it. I, I had learned by then that you don't talk about this. And so, you know, they knew that I was struggling with something. They knew that I was depressed. They knew that I was really angry, but they had no idea why. And I wasn't going to tell them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no win in that. No, win. yeah, there is no win in that. See, and I mean, obviously when I was, when I went through it, I was at six years old and they put me through conversion therapy at six years old. Okay. But then I had no idea because obviously, you know, um, no understanding of it or what's going on. I'm just like, wait a minute, that's the way I'm supposed to be. What, huh? What? You know? So no, and nobody transed you? No. I mean, you know, they didn't come up and give me the trans cooties by touching me or something <laughs> like that. Okay. That didn't happen. So, you know. Yeah, no, no internet back then. Let's see. No. Oh, exactly. Right. Like that, um, yeah. So, and, and so it's really interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that I commend you for. Um, and I think a lot of trans women need to know that there are three individuals here sitting at the table that are all trans. And I would like to say that all of them are very successful and have that. And a lot of individuals. Who's that? And, I, and so I do want to say one thing. Um, Zoe just got promoted to VP in engineering in her firm. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations, Zoe. That Thank is you. amazing. Outstanding um, trans citizen. Exactly right. You know, I mean, we're not the horrible individuals that so many of us, you know, so many people try to make us out to be. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, totally commend you in that. But it's really nice to see that so that other trans folks that are out there can see that there is that opportunity. You can make something of yourself and go in a, you know, you can pretty much the sky's the limit so long as you can, you know, maybe have to tackle a few things. We're fortunate we live in Canada. I mean, Terry, well, she's like, the, you know, the major lowly, lowly American here. Yes. Yeah. But the major heavyweight in hers. I mean, obviously, she's in Alabama. And I mean, you take a look yeah. at her position and where she is and what she's done. I mean, obviously, that's, you know, that's a big thing as well. Deep so, South. you know, being yeah. in the South. I was I was uh, the second person to transition in state government. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Like so, 30,000 state employees, and I was number two. I thought I was number one. I didn't find out about the other one until after I went full-time. After the fact. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's so cool. So, yeah, poor Amanda here is the uh, only cis person uh, on the that's sitting here right now. So she feels, I feel outnumbered. She's, she's our token, token ally. She's our token ally. Please, yeah. please. Yeah. No, and uh, I mean, obviously. Well, she did write a book, so. Yeah, so that, like I said, the book carries, a, you know, carries a lot of weight. And no, Amanda, it's not your body weight we're talking about here. It's the <laughs> other weight, okay? Yeah, earlier I was like, what do you mean carried a lot of weight? What are you trying to say? <laughs> speaking speaking of, of weight, you know, yeah. I, I got a master's degree in geology. And one of the jokes and getting your master's and writing a, a thesis, a book, was 
you were determined whether you passed or not by the sound it would make if someone dropped it on the floor. <laughs> like, the heavier it was, the bigger sound it makes. Like, oh, they must have done a lot of work for this. So yeah. how, how many words, how many words actually were in the book? Did you have a tally you needed to meet or anything like that? Oh, it was the worst. I'm very verbose. I, I don't know. People people say I talk a lot. It's weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't see that about me. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I So initially I wrote 94,000 words, I think, in my first draft. Wow. And they were like, yeah, that's just a little bit too long. So the average memoir is about 80,000 words. This one is... I think it's right around there. I can't remember exactly what the final tally was. It's not just a couple thousand below or above it, but um, yeah, a lot of, uh, we try to just sort of keep the pace going in the book and focus on what needed to be focused on, I think. Uh, and what most importantly, what everybody was comfortable with. Uh, for example, mm. what Zoe just talked about that, that wasn't something that we were going to put in the book because that was not something that she was comfortable with at the time. It's really, really important, I think, especially as an ally, when you're writing about experiences that are not yours or as a journalist or anything, right? Like we have mm. to make sure that we center the person that we're talking about and respect the person that we're talking about. So I was very careful about that. Right. Yeah. Zoe, did, did you ever tell her to go? No, you can't put that in there. Uh, there were some things, yeah, I said I said right up front, there's stuff I'm not going to talk about, and there's stuff that I will talk about in not a lot of detail, and, you know, she did a fabulous job of respecting everybody's boundaries. Um, you know, our child was the same. There were things that she mm -hmm. didn't want to talk about. There were right. Things. More more so on her, probably being a minor and... Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I could see that. A teenager. <laughs> right, exactly, Which, you know, exactly. Don't want to be embarrassed as a teenager by your parents, and no. especially... <laughs> Well, and, and you know, I, I have to ha I have to hand it to to Alexis because um, she is not interested in the advocacy part of things in terms of like making it a career. Like I know a lot of young trans people coming up, you know, are like, I want to be in social work. I want to work in advocacy, and I, I think that's amazing because you can help so many people. And I think like there are also a lot of people who just want to be like, I just want to live. Right. I just want to live. I want to work in the field that, yeah, I want to work in the field that I'm interested in. Um, I don't, I don't want that to be the focus of my life. I'm not ashamed of it, but I don't want it to be the focus. That's awesome. So for her, the way that she's figured that out, what works for her, she, she was the one who initially pushed me to talk about it and really wanted me to write the book too. She was very big on that, but she was like, you tell the story I'll make sure you're getting it right. Um, and and I just want to then live my life. So that's what she does. She just, she's, she's pretty cool. She's totally fine with the fact that it was written. Um, I love that she had agency. I would never, I would never have written it if she didn't have agency in that. I would never have written right. it if anybody in the family was uncomfortable. That would have been, that's. So everybody got to read what you wrote. Wrote, yeah. Prior yeah. to, obviously, yeah. I went through everybody including like our cis kids and my parents and everybody i went through everybody's part with them i sent them those drafts or we sat down together and said did i get this right is there anything you're not comfortable with um you know uh anything you need me to rework or reword or just take out entirely right and so that was uh that was that was an important part of the book you don't you don't want to make anyone's life harder with a book like this that's oh, not the point sure. the point is to help people mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Um, so uh, when we talk about Alexis and that, um, I mean, obviously, um, and Zoe as well, we're fortunate all of, all of us are in Canada. How have you found the acceptance levels um, for both, you know, Zoe in your case, as well as for Alexis, where she is in her life and how she's starting to come up? Um, for myself, it's been really fantastic, honestly. I, I had a really great reception when I came out at work. Um, uh, that's also in the book, so I mean, I won't spoil it too much, but it was really lovely. Um, you had a nice party with cupcakes. A nice party with cupcakes, exactly. Um, now, there were, you know, there were definitely a few people who were not like overly friendly, but they were never really antagonistic or did anything either, and I think you know, over time, even they really kind of came around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nobody was directly bigoted towards you? Nobody I've encountered has been directly bigoted. Uh, there are certainly people Good. on the Internet and people out there who will snipe at us and, yeah. you know, who definitely yeah. are not yeah. supportive, but I just largely ignore them. In yeah. my daily life, there's been really no issues with it. Yeah. Um, I think in part maybe because a lot of people don't realize right away. Um, Mm -hmm. So that definitely helps. There's a a lot of privilege there, but, um, you know, at work and stuff, when people did know, it wasn't a huge issue. I had to correct a few times when people use the wrong pronouns because, you know, I'd worked with them over a long time, but Mm -hmm. they all got it in time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it took a while for my coworkers to get the right pronouns but mm-hmm. it was never intentional misgendering and they really no, exactly. worked on it. Was it was never intentional yeah. it was mm-hmm. just yeah. you know habit and I would remind them and they would be like oh I'm so sorry and that was that yeah how about Alexis how is it going for her and moving forward because yeah. at a young age and just kind of the integration into school and all of that kind of stuff in her life how is it going for her uh, initially, she had some struggles. Um, she was in grade six when she came out. That's a tough age anyway. Mm. So, you know, and kids are not super accepting at that age anyway. So I think, like, you know, I'm not surprised that she had some some trouble. We ended up pulling her out of school, and I homeschooled her for a year. But she went back to school, and after that, it was fine um, by, by grade eight. She uh, she had friends and she wasn't. I mean, it, there were still uh, you know a couple of kids she had gone to elementary school with who kind of would you know, laugh at her when she went down the hallway or whatever. She just ignored them though because she had so much support. It didn't really. She kind of laughed it off. It didn't really bother her. She has um, a lot of confidence, which is really amazing. And awesome. uh, she just got accepted into uh, college, the college of her choice. Oh, wow. She's very awesome. excited. Um, That's she's gonna awesome. Be, yeah, I know, right? And like, and they know, oh. they know who she is. Um, they know, um, they know she's non-binary um, and uh, they are totally cool with it, totally fine. And she's looking forward to starting school. It's, it's just she has not made it a big part of who she is. It's just a part of who she is. It's not the sum of her. And um, and when she goes out in the world, I think we see as parents that like affirming her and and just letting her be herself and believing in her and loving her, that confidence carries a lot of weight. And and as she walks around and goes about her her life in the world, you can really see that. It's, it's lovely. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. I, I wish it was a gift that that's awesome yeah Um, for sure yeah i I was about 11 when i knew 
I was trans. Same age. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't do anything about it. Which is great, though. But obviously a big, a big help is that uh, she came out when she was younger. So obviously there wasn't a whole lot of... Oh yeah, to go uh, through know, physical puberty as changes. A girl? Yeah, exactly. So the you know the physical side yeah. of it, and that was being able to be controlled so that she could develop mm-hmm. the way she needed to. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And socialize as a girl, yeah, it's really, right? It's everything. really wonderful for her. Like it's a huge gift, and I wish that mm-hmm. uh, you know a large part of why I think this book is has been really important is that I want to see a lot more stories like Alexis and a lot fewer like mine, right? Uh, well, exactly. oh yes, hopefully yeah. eventually no more stories like ours. No. Um, Nobody has to come out at 30, 40, 50, whatever, that we all grow up as our authentic selves and that it's found early. Well, and the thing is, though, too, is there is more understanding, even though that we do get a lot of pushback from political powers that be, et cetera, et cetera. There is a a lot lot more understanding than what it was like. I mean, I came out in, in 1966. You know, I mean, being gay was still illegal. You know, and of course, obviously, nobody knew what was going on. I mean, why is your boy playing with dolls and wanting to comb hair and braid girls' hairs and, you know, all of this kind of stuff? Nobody knew what was going on, right? So it is nice to see that the education is starting to become right at the forefront, at least with people that are willing to be, you know, accepting and understanding and they're I mean, at we, least we logical have about it, you know. Plus years of good data. It, it is. And so we are getting good research. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously there needs to be more research to be done and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's great to hear that Alexis has had a real opportunity and really will have probably a very, and I'd love to say, I don't mean this saying this in a, in a bad way, but just a normal life, just to be able to live her life and just, you know, not have to worry about anything like that. Not, not have a T on her forehead all the time. Right. Right. Like identity, so many people want to, like my identity is transgender. My identity is not transgender. No, my, yeah. my identity is that of a woman. Mm-hmm. And I just happen to be transgender. So it's like I'm nearsighted, I'm diabetic, that sort of thing. I have blue eyes. Mm-hmm. None of those are my identity. Those right. are just physical mm-hmm. characteristics. Well, and it's another and reason, me. yeah, it's another reason why we call ourselves trans survivors. <laughs> Right. And that's one of our favorite mm-hmm. terms that we use here because we've gone through transition. We've survived it. And now we're just the women we've always been. We live our lives. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and as, as it should be. Um, so, Zoe, I'm curious to ask. Um, and it's more of a just a woman question uh, than being a trans question. Um, you know, you have worked in your company for quite a while in that. Um, how do you find the respect in that and being treated because you are a VP? I mean, obviously, we hear a lot of cases where individuals that are working in environments that are women. How do you find that? Just curious. Um, well, the VP thing is pretty new, but I can kind of draw on some of my previous experience in, in management positions um, at my previous company. And I can definitely say, you know, there is a difference. Um, I, I watched as people internalized the fact that I'm a woman, you know, the behavior change. Mm-hmm. And I actually had one guy who was visiting from another office, a European office, um, come to me and we sat at my whiteboard, well, we sat at my whiteboard and he explained to me this problem that he was having with the product that I was in charge of and why it didn't, you know, how it didn't behave the way he wanted it to. And then kind of proceeded to explain to me how the product that I had designed worked. <laughs> one of my favorite stories. 
a little mansplaining oh, wow. for you. Yes. That uh-huh. was pretty great. And then I kind of erased half of it and said, so actually it works like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I got the oh, actual but that was... Uh, <laughs> there's definitely a difference. I, I like to Welcome to womanhood, that, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And I like to joke that being a woman in tech is awesome because the bathroom is never busy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. Yes. Yes. I remember her sending me a text one day going, well, I think everyone has internalized that I'm a woman because I'm getting talked over in meetings now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is yep. the downside. Yeah. Did, yeah. did any of the other women in your office have issues with you using the restroom when you went full time? Uh, no, not really. There were a few... Uh, there were a few people who kind of looked at me strangely, but no one ever really said anything, and they all just kind of dealt with it. So if there were any complaints, I never was aware of it, and mm-hmm. I knew HR had my back because obviously I had gone to them like way before. Mm-hmm. And right. They were fully on my side, so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the- I actually I sat down with the two women I work with and talked to them at length. I was very concerned about their feelings and. And make sure it was okay mm-hmm. with them, and it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so when now that you've taken your VP position, Zoe, um, have you seen any difference in the interaction of individuals that you're working with, whether it be from you know, because obviously um, you've transitioned and everybody is used to from the transitionary perspective, but now that you're in that VP position, how are you finding that is now working for you? So far, so good. Um, no, I don't actually, I have no idea if anyone at my new company actually even knows I'm trans, to be honest. Um, mm. I, I interviewed there, you know, as myself. Um, I joined the company as Zoe. No one, as far as I know, no one's ever looked. And yeah, good. it's pretty easy to find. So if you've Googled me, That's I'm sure amazing. they know. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was like, uh, honey, they HR Googled you. Like, you know they Google, but but here's the thing, they Google oh, you. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they, HR knows. Right, yeah. right. and well, then they found out, and they're like, well, this is an information that really matters, right? Like, that mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, so I think I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that in my head, in my, like, ally head, that's how it went. <laughs> yeah, so I don't actually know, right? I mean, I assume they have checked me out. I don't know if my coworkers have. Um, yeah, I I'm sure they did like a background check on you. Yeah, yeah. you know your work yeah, history. Da 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 da. It's kind of hard to cut off our past when we hmm. transition late in life. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I was 54 when I went full time. It's not like I can recreate a history as as Terry Allen. So. Well, it's it's funny too when we talk about that because obviously now that here's with my case, I'm all over the internet, uh, but. As much as I was from my old self and my new self, I'm everywhere because I have been involved in companies. I've owned companies, people still. And I still even in LinkedIn, for example, they say my dead name and my real name all in the same sentence. Okay, and they won't they won't change that. So it's like, you know, I deal with this on a regular basis. So people know right away. And of course, being in the construction industry, that even makes it easier because I work with a bunch of ass crack contractors. And of course, you know, people kind of know this and that and everything, right? Um, now, Nikki. Well, it's true, though. And I use that because obviously um, the guys actually get a laugh when I talk about that. Okay, because they, they know sure. full well, right? You know, that's what it's all about. Um, so that's great to hear. I mean, obviously, because, you know, we as women are working 
for our own equality. I mean, women have been fighting for equality for gosh knows how long, like ever since whenever, you know, way back in the caveman days kind of thing, you know, uh, we have been. So, Amanda, you are now the wife of a high exec. What do you think of that? That must be something that, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, wow. I, I make jokes. <laughs> I make a lot of jokes. No, it, I mean, um, I was not at all surprised that she got this promotion because she's she's brilliant. She's she like she's very she's very very like modest about it, but she's so mm-hmm. smart. Yeah, it's hot. Mm-hmm. Hot how smart you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's always been super smart, and it's and 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 great with people. Great, uh, you know, and and creative. So I'm like, yeah, of course you got this. And I'm so happy for her. Like, I'm really, I'm really, really happy for you. I, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Um, it hasn't really, it's, it's been like a couple of weeks, not even. So I think it hasn't really changed our lives in any way at this point. Um, not yet. Not yeah, yet. I anyway. mean, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully good change. You know, it just is what it is. I think she's going to be busier. Um, I'm going to be a lot busier for sure. Yeah. It's a big organization. Yeah, she's got a lot of responsibility, but I mean, we're in a really good place. I think that's that's part of the story that we like to tell, right? Like, um, because everyone in our family is just able to be themselves and like be, you know, and and uh, we've been through all these changes. We've and we've communicated through these changes. Um, we're all in a really good place, I think, to support one another wherever, right? So it's like, um, if if you know, Zoe has to spend more time working. Um, and you know, I think you know the kids are are okay with that. I'm okay with that. Like I don't know, it just it's just I I, I feel like uh, I'm not change doesn't affect me the same way as it used to anymore. I'm just more excited about it than terrified of it. I, I think I would have worried. I would have had all these worries. Like we're never going to see each other, and you know, uh, and and I don't know what if what if I'm not like VP wife material, whatever that means. Like that's. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. You know, um, you get these ideas. First, for the first lady of VP. First yeah. lady of VP. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that mean even? But I think I probably would have had like, you know, these ideas. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> it right. is what it is. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm curious. Well, we have good. a good. I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask a question I had. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I had earlier before we went live. Your moniker on your blog, Maven of Mayhem. And this was before you knew your child was trans and your spouse was trans. It's almost prophetic, <laughs> that moniker you came up with way before. So why did you pick that early on in the beginning, basically expert of chaos or a connoisseur of change kind of thing? kind of funny, why right? Why did you pick that? I mean, um, mm-hmm. so at the time, I'm going to take you back to when I was 26. No, sorry. I was 29 years old, 29 years old. And uh, I was pregnant with our third child and running a daycare out of, out of a small house and a very open concept house. we called it chaos in a box because it was just so loud all the time <laughs> and so we had we had two little kids plus my pregnancy plus my daycare I was feeling burned out and I thought to myself like I can't do this forever I cannot I'm, I'm, I'm not a daycare person hats off to child care providers you are amazing people and i love you i am not built like you you are fantastic um and i just i i needed to do something else and i thought you know i really want to try my hand at writing because i've always loved to write i used to write when i was younger and uh 
I'm like, well, maybe I'll get all my frustrations out on a blog. That's what I'm going to do. So I was like, but what do I name this blog? And I, I wanted to pick something anonymous. I didn't want anyone to know it was me because I wanted to like, you know, complain about, about, <laughs> about my chaos in a box and I let all my pregnancy hormones out. So uh, I just, I found, I don't know, like maybe the mayhem came to me because it was, it was beautiful alliteration. It just, it just worked. Mm. It, it suited me. I felt like I know chaos. I got pregnant at 19, had a baby at 20, married at 21, uh, you know, two more kids that decade. Uh, I, you know, I, and all I've done is just basically look after people in a very mediocre fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is perfect for me. Right. But yeah. Just yeah. I'm here. sure Zoe does not think you were mediocre in that regard not whatsoever. Slightly. Not even slightly. She's been fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a question that came in, uh, Claire Thomas here. What's the view on distancing past life from present life? And she says, for me, it shaped who I am today. I owe the person that I vote on of thanks for having the bravery to become out who I am now. So what do you guys think? Let's go around the panel on this. What's the view on distancing past life from present life? Uh, I'm just going to say I don't get a say on this um, because I am sister <laughs> So I, uh, my, my, I don't have, I don't have an old name and I still use the same pronoun. So I'm backing right out of this one. Okay. Take it away. But, so but I mean, you transitioned too. Well, yeah. We you do not transition alone. Everybody right. around us transitions. And with that's, us, that's so. something that people really has to realize even in the trans mm-hmm. community, right? That, yeah, everybody else has to transition around us. Mm-hmm. With yes. us. And with yes. us. And it's a huge request like with my coworkers, it's like I throw this. They've known me as a guy for seven years, worked with a guy for seven years, and I come in and go, well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you throw that on them, and it's a huge gift they can give you by being accepting and being okay and supporting you and dealing with this person that is John on Friday and they come in as Joan on Monday. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. It's huge. So, yeah, Amanda, you transitioned to yeah, you did. Much. And so, Zoe, what do you think about that? What would you, how would you uh, respond to that question? So, I think that's a very personal question. And I know that some people are totally okay with their past, and some people are really not okay with their past, and some people are kind of in the middle of that. Um, I am somewhat in the middle of that. I, mm-hmm. I was never comfortable with my past life because I was really miserable, and there's a lot of you know, really nasty feelings that went along with living that way. So I don't really like my past life. I kind of feel like I only started really living when I transitioned. Um, But at the same time, like a lot of good things came out of that past life. And I totally recognize those good things, like our kids and our marriage and our home. I built a lot of my career in that past life. So, I mean, I totally acknowledge that it was there. Um, but I also don't think about it a lot because, you know, really it was just me surviving and existing and not really living. So to me, my life really just kind of started recently. Right. Okay. And for my case, it's a real mixed bag for me. Um, for myself, I came, you know, obviously right from six years old, I battled everything. I mean, I went to my high school prom as a woman, right? Uh, like I really wanted to push forth. Great. Boy, you were so brave. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wow. That was, you know, so I mean. 1978 or something? something 78. 1978, I went to um, a uh, Catholic school and I went to my high school prom as a woman. 
Um, of course, I you lasted. Amaze me. I, I, I lasted like ten minutes before the the the, the pastor kicked me out um, because I was causing too much commotion and all of that sort of stuff, and everybody knew what was going on. So. Um, you know, that was difficult. And a lot of other things, obviously, like uh, Zoe, you know, the drugs, the drug addiction. I mean, I lived on the streets. Um, there was a whole, you know, I call it decades of chaos, absolute and total chaos. But coming through things now, it, I look at things differently now because obviously, um, you know, I really appreciate a lot of things that I did do, what I went through and that sort of stuff in life. You know, being able to come out and get two degrees and, you know, moving forward with all of this, even having all of those difficulties. But now it's different because obviously as being an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur for so many years, I mean, you can go to Google reviews and you see all of the reviews that are going, oh, my dead name, what a wonderful person did a great job for us. You know, their company did a fantastic job. And then I'll, and because now I'm at the forefront of everything that I do. So all of my quoting for commercial and, and uh, residential properties and stuff, I'll actually have people comment and go, oh, where's so-and-so? You know? So, but yeah, but it, it, it's, I can't hold them at fault because they're just reading what's out there. They, you know, who, how are they supposed to know? And then they look at me and they go, oh, so you're, you must be the quoting lady, <laughs> you know, automatically or whatever the case may be. And then I will always bring it to their attention and say, you know, um, no, I am the owner of the company. And then there's that slight pause. Oh, when did you buy the company? Right? <laughs> Last year. <laughs> so I'll get all of these types of questions. Right. So for me, it's a real mix all the time. And so I really don't take offense to anything. I'm, you know, grateful to, that I made it through the stuff that I did. But I know for sure, just because of who I am, what I'm about and what I, I'm involved with, I will always have this with me right through till death. Do, do me part, shall we say. So, you know, happily, the transition has happened. It's saved my life. I was this close to suicide. I mean, that was it. I blew apart and you know it was almost over um so that's kind of my thing so um have another person that's just come in hey amanda and zoe i was wondering if you could touch on the support system that you provide to each other in the area of mental health how is this connection that you have in this regard wow yeah that's a good question that's a great question yeah, why don't you jump in on that um so uh, my mental health has not, well, my mental health is doing, I'm doing pretty well right now, but recently it was very bad. Um, and, uh, historically I have had, uh, a number of issues with depression and anxiety. Um, and Zoe has been there for me a hundred percent. So there, there's no judgment. There's no judgment. It's, I, I, I feel really safe you know, with her because, um, I, I can fall apart, you know, and, uh, and know that she'll still love me and be there for me. Um, and I think that's really important in a relationship that you don't have to hide who you are in, in any way, whether that be, you know, because you're, you know, you're, you're trans or, you know, because you're struggling with mental illness or whatever it might be. Um, you've got to be able to be yourself inside the walls of your own home. And uh, I've had some really dark days in the last few weeks, and uh, and I've never really felt alone in them because she's there for me. Right. 
And Zoe, how about you? Um, I guess I could really say a lot of the same. Um, I've also struggled a lot of my life with depression and anxiety. And um, for a long time, I didn't feel like I could really acknowledge that because I had to be you know, strong and capable and, and earn us a living and stuff like that. But um, I've really been able more recently to to really be more vulnerable and show that. And she has always been there, um, been supportive. And I know that I can talk to her about pretty much anything. And there's, again, there's really no judgment. It's, you know, there, there can be like concern and there can be like, I think you need to get help. Um, but it's always been support and not, it's not judgment because, you know, you can't control mental illness. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's like any other illness, right? It's not something you ask for. It's just something that you have. That happens. And there's no shame in asking for help. No. And, exactly. you know, Does and it I, show you're not strong? Does it show you're weak? Does it, it's none of those things. I think it's just. It's merely like going to the doctor for getting an antibiotic for an infection. You need some help home for something you have no control over. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's most important is just uh, being honest with yourself and saying, look, you know, there is no judgment. You shouldn't be judging anybody if you have a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. You know, be open about it. Come out about it. I think it's one of the things that's probably the biggest downfall um, in so many different areas, trans and cisgender community. Um, the people are so fearful of what others will think if I come out and I say that I have some uh, a problem, you know, and so support is so, you know, so, so important. Um, so yeah, great question. Thank you so much for that one. Um, you know, um, curious too, I, I guess. Oh, go ahead, Terry. I'll let you I'll let, go back, go back I'll to the past a little bit. Okay, I wanted sure. to ask, um, Zoe, what prompted you to come out when you did? This was like eight months or so after your daughter had come, come out. 18 was months. that, did that <laughs> 18 months? I'm sorry. 18 months. Um, did that precipitate you? Yeah, I give her a lot of credit. In any way? Honestly, I really do. I give her a lot of credit for saving my life here because um, I was getting pretty close to the end of my rope at that point. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it had been a long, hard um, wearing of a mask for a long time. Um, <laughs> so she came out and she started to transition. I initially had a lot of fears uh, about what that would mean for her and you know, because I had grown up in a hugely transphobic, homophobic, terrible, you know, world like we all did, right? It wasn't exactly mm -hmm. enlightened. Yeah. And um, when she did come out and started to really get acceptance and blossom into this beautiful person that she had always been meant to be, um, I was amazed, you know? Um, it really sort of opened my eyes that maybe this was actually possible. Um, but it wasn't until we had gone to uh, Pride in Toronto the year after. And I was just kind of among all these people who were living authentically and living their best lives and really just loving it. And there was so much support and it was such a great community um, that when we got home and I was back in the box, essentially, um, it was too much. It was just too much. and. We ended up going out on a date and I was really, really miserable because I was feeling all of these feelings of, you know, how much I wanted to be that person and not this person. And um, 
in the car on the way home after that horrible date night, we ended up talking about it. She was determined to get out of me. What the hell is going on? I'm stubborn. Yeah, she's really stubborn. And I'm actually really grateful that you were stubborn because it probably otherwise never would have come out. I might not be sitting here today. Yeah, you wrote you wrote a beautiful blog post. That was that was yeah. excellent. It was tough for me to read because it brought back a lot of memories of my own coming out to my wife. But it was wonderful, very wonderful. Yeah, it's so nice too. Just on the fact of that, uh, you know, you guys are so committed to each other and coming out because so many of us lose everything that we had, you know, which is really tough. And you know, like Terry said, uh, it's a little tough reading some of the posts. You know, yeah. uh, brings brings back, it brings back. My wife did not memory. accept. We yeah. are separated. I was pretty sure that we were going to lose everything as well. Like that was my biggest fear, honestly. Mm-hmm. Coming out was that everything was going to come crashing down, and all this work I put into building up a life mm-hmm. would just fall apart. Yeah. And I'm yeah. really, really fortunate and grateful that that didn't mm-hmm. happen. And we oh, do yeah. it anyway. We do this anyway. Oh, yeah, we yeah. Do not doing it is death. Yeah, yeah. 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 To show you that it's really not a choice. This is not. Mm-hmm. This is not. And I, thankfully, though, I also credit our child for this because mm-hmm. by the time Zoe came out, I had already done the trans one hundred and one. Right? Mm-hmm. I already knew what being yeah. you, trans. You knew a lot. Meant. Yeah. Right. You know, I was already active, sort of in the periphery of the community, and and supporting my child and supporting other families and that sort of thing. And. And so went and I'd met a lot of trans people and I'd become friends with a lot of trans people. So when Zoe came out, um, I didn't have that, those hurdles to go through. I only had to figure out what that meant for our marriage, for me and for our marriage and for our kids. So it was, it was more like any other unexpected to me change in, in a relationship and a family rather than I have to learn a whole new thing. So that that was good. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you think you would have been if, if it had been flipped and Zoe had come out first? Uh, honestly, like you want my, well, this is trans talk raw, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, we probably wouldn't have made it. Honestly, honestly. And, and I, I hate admitting that about myself. I, I understand, like, you know, but it, I think it's really important to put uh, those mistakes and misconceptions and ideas out there because um love isn't a perfect thing it is an imperfect thing it's beautiful and it's strong and it's powerful and it's 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 wonderful but it is imperfect and and sometimes we fumble and i think that if zoe had come out first a lot of my like i love zoe but i don't love her in the same way that i love our kids where there's an unconditional unbreakable bond to me always makes me really upset when parents can't get their there with their own kids or won't get there with their own kids but for me it wasn't an option not to love and support my child right so I had to learn this stuff and then it made it less scary and then I had fewer you know I had no judgments really and I understood why this was so important if Zoe had come out first our marriage was already kind of limping along things weren't great um and I don't think we would have survived I, I really, I really don't. Yeah. I don't think so either. And I think honestly, it's because I came out that re- really our relationship got stronger. Um, you know, Alexis paved the way, mm-hmm. but it was really when I came out and we started really being ourselves with each other. It's because we were both actually hiding stuff. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Who 
who lives here. I do not know what you speak. Yeah. But, some know, some like, other letter in this this acronym we have. Yeah, no, something. something. Right. There's there's literally a L, you know there's like the L with the T movement that on L word. There's literally an L here with the T. Like that's happening right yeah. now. Yeah, but I guess yeah. Yeah. I yeah. yeah, you do, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, you you had your own transition. Yeah. And I mean yeah. you had your own transition. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I I had to um so I, I had known for a long time that I was a lesbian. And it was funny because when I met Zoe back when we were teens, I was attracted to her in a way that I had never been attracted to a guy, which, I mean, now in hindsight makes perfect sense because she wasn't a guy. I really loved the person <laughs> that she was. I was so into this amazing person. It made sense now, you know, um, but as things went on and things weren't really great in our relationship and, you know, we were, we were both struggling. I was, I remember saying a few times, you know, to myself and to friends, you know, that I would, uh, if I ever got divorced, I would exclusively date women. Right. Like that was, that was, I knew that about me. Um, and that the reason that I was still in this relationship, um, you know, was to just try and salvage what we had built, um, and, and try and make the best of things, uh, when she came out, uh, it took me a little while, actually. Um, it wasn't that she was a woman. Like, that actually didn't bother, obviously, clearly didn't bother me at all. Um, but it was sort of like, is this going to make you happy, right? Because you've been miserable for such a long time. Is this going to make you happy? Because I I'm, I, feel, I feel like I'm suffocating in this marriage with somebody who isn't happy, who is so miserable. And I felt like I had been sort of emotionally propping up our relationship and our family for a long time. And as it turns out, she's super happy and gorgeous and lovely. It's <laughs> a great yeah, person all around. Sure. So it was a huge win-win yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, Massive win. I won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I think yeah. you both won the lottery to I be think quite honest. I think that was yeah. like, that was hands down. So I've got a couple of other questions that are coming in here now. Um, one kind of a little bit off topic, which is what I wanted to kind of ta start talking about in the second segment or ha uh, part of the show, but it kind of leads into that. Um, wondering if you would, uh, we have one question coming in, wondering if you all would be able to provide advice to me as a dedicated ally. What can I do to show those around me that I am there for them without being too much? So I'm going to, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> you got like five or six hours to discuss. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> we could really go on with this one. And then I have a couple of other questions that are coming in too, but why don't we maybe talk about that real quick? We are going to talk about that in the second segment of the show, but why don't we maybe just kind of touch base on that a little bit? What do you guys think, Amanda and uh, Zoe? Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm passing this one over too. Maybe I'll learn something. I'm always trying to learn how to be a better ally, honestly. Really okay. making me talk a lot here. Yeah. Is, I try to avoid this. Um, <laughs> well, it's, sorry, it's trans talk wrong. Yeah. 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 Okay. A lot of times un unavoidable. It is it's, unavoidable. It's unavoidable. It's going to be unavoidable. So, I mean, I guess the basics would be, um, you know, to always respect people's names, pronouns, um, what they're willing to talk about. Um, I think one way that you can really show that you're an ally is to stick up for people when they're not around, when those mm -hmm. conversations happen that they would never mm -hmm. hear. Um, you know, be that- Behind voice. the scenes. 
behind the scenes, right? Because we all know this mm -hmm. happens. And um, cis allies are privy to a lot of conversations that would never happen in the presence of the person being talked about. So I think one way that you can really be supportive and be an ally is to handle those situations, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Yeah, to support us then. Right. And that's not yeah. just to show support when we're around you. It's exactly so support that. when we're yeah. not around you. Exactly that. Right. And be that educator, like learn from the source, mm -hmm. but then be that educator because yeah. you know, we're not always there. And it's a lot of effort to constantly be educating everyone. So I really personally, I really appreciate when allies take some of that on and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, do that training and do that advocacy yeah. for them. I, I think that's it's difficult good. for us to do all of it. It's, yeah, it is um, exhausting but, as well. You know, it's amazing, and I commend all cisgender people that if they were to be doing that in that position with us not being around and still defending us, they're really putting a lot on the line to do that. I mean, especially mm -hmm. when we see all of the negativity that's going on in the world and all of what the political powers would be and the bad media and all of that sort of stuff. But I think that is at the forefront is that if you can talk well about us. You know, when we aren't there, that's going to be a, a real huge factor in helping others understand, because obviously it's kind of like you kind of jump on the bandwagon, right? Like it's mm -hmm. like, OK, well, if this person can do this and talk about this, well, geez, now maybe I don't feel so fearful about talking about this. And I think and especially polls show that the majority of people are for us. Well, and, you know, even when we talk about that, this too is it's one of the things that I have found. Of course, obviously, I have lots of clients that I talk to about this. But we see so much negativity on media feeds. We see it on Facebook. We see it on Twitter. We see it on everywhere else. That a lot of individuals that are starting to come out or wanting to start to just live their true selves and stuff are terrified based on what they're reading. But yet once they do start to move into society and realize it's like, hold it, wait a minute. This is really nowhere near as bad as what I thought it was going to be. And I think that's because of the fact that a lot of individuals out there are actually being at the forefront of being positive and accepting about it. So, I mean, yeah, we don't want to really keep beating this one to death with it. Um, but I thought that was a great answer, Zoe. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Here, here's another question that we have from uh, Claire Thomas. Do you think increasing trans awareness has the potential to save a lot of the marriages that are currently ultimately will fail? My marriage failed because of the acute lack of understanding and support. Also, if you were not lesbian, would your marriage have survived? Ooh. Um, okay, first answer. <laughs> That's a lot there. <laughs> Double barrel shot of one yeah, like, wow, Claire, those are some big questions. All right, let me spit up a little bit for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, increased awareness? Yes, because um, as a cis person, if I don't know anything about trans issues and my partner comes to me and says, oh, hey, by the way, I'm trans, um, I, the only thing that I'm going to know is what I've learned in old movies, what I've read in articles that are not informed, what people are saying around the water cooler. You know, I'm not going to know. So I need trans people out there um, showing me that it's perfectly, you know, normal to be trans. It's perfectly okay to be trans. It's not really a big deal. Um, so I think, yes, absolutely increased awareness, super important. Again, I will say 
having that increased awareness, I, I can speak to this like like with a lot of knowledge personally because I had the knowledge about trans issues thanks to my child, it saved my marriage. Like no question. Um, if I was not a lesbian and I was not bisexual, pansexual, um, no, this probably wouldn't have worked out uh, for me personally because uh, there wouldn't be that that attraction, right? Like there, that just wouldn't have been able to probably happen. Now that being said, I have talked to spouses who don't identify as bisexual, pansexual, lesbian, uh, or or gay, depending on how you know which way their partner is transitioning, um, who uh, who still feel that attract you know that attraction and that love for their partner, and they still make the marriage work, and it's almost like an exception to their rule, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that yeah. that is everyone's so different. I've met so many. Uh, different situations that work for them. So, um, yeah, it personally, probably not no, um, but for other people, I could totally, you know, I've seen it work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting. Yeah. I've, you talk I about wish your right. book had been around in yeah, a lot longer. Yeah. So I'm curious. I mean, obviously, uh, just uh, Amanda, when you say that you've talked to a lot of other individuals about this, that obviously, does that end up turning into, or do you find that it turns into more of a plutonic relationship if they do decide to stay together? Sisters, well, so to speak. Yeah, like I don't ask, I don't ask a ton of questions. Um, I feel like it's not really my business. If people, people, people often pour their hearts out to me, which I really appreciate that they trust me like that. Um, you know, but I, I tend not to ask directly. What I have seen is sometimes, yes, a shift to platonic. You know, like we're 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 happy. We're staying together. We have this beautiful life together. We don't want it to end, but our relationship is shifting now because that attraction is not there. And so there's like sort of you know maybe they sleep in separate rooms or maybe they sleep in the same bed, you know, or whatever. Maybe they they live in different parts of the house, um, but they're but they they spend a lot of time together and they're really happy together. And I've I've seen I've seen I have seen that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Jennifer Boland's marriage is somewhat like that. Yeah, she was one of the examples I was thinking of when mm-hmm. I when I was thinking about partners who stay, who definitely say, like, I, I you know, I, my sexual orientation doesn't align with who my partner is now. Yeah. Right. right. Her, her uh, wife is, is very straight mm-hmm. and has made that, uh, but decided to stay with very clear. Uh, yeah. Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would I would assume just by the you know the percentages I would assume that that would be accurate in the more elderly population instead of being mm-hmm. in the younger population because obviously in the younger population you can still live a full life you know all of that kind of thing so I could see that kind of working uh, in that way um, so from a, a youth perspective which I find fascinating um, and I and I'm just curious because obviously. Alexis is getting at a point. So what's the her thoughts on dating? Should, has it even come up or has it been something? And I'm just curious because obviously she's starting to come into those types of years of where, do you know, have you seen anything or heard anything? Has she talked about anything? What? Uh, we, you know, um, I, I haven't checked with her to see if that's something that she'd be comfortable with us talking about. So I'm probably okay. not going to talk about it here. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but I you know I mean she's she's a typical kid, she's a typical almost eighteen year old, right? Who's mm-hmm. about to start college and 
um, you know, wherever that goes, that goes, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, and I was I was just curious if she, you know, had started to move forward in that regard. Totally understand that, you know, got to talk to her about it first and everything. Have you had any experience, uh, Amanda, with any other families that where they do have children that are trans at around that age and that kind of, you know, where their head spaces are at or that, or, you know, from a comfort perspective of dating, it doesn't really matter who they're dating, but just that idea or comfort of dating. I know lots of Absolutely. trans teens who are dating, happily dating, very good, very happy to be dating. Um, and I mean, I can't really speak to any maybe dysphoria they might be feeling or anything like that, but I can definitely speak to them having good, solid relationships, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. What would you account that to? I just think there's a lot more acceptance and awareness in younger generations. Support, support and acceptance. Yeah, Yeah. support and acceptance, right? So it's just not such a big deal. Like a lot of us were raised in, you know, previous generations Mm -hmm. with very strict ideas about what gender was and what relationships looked like. And I think in the younger generations, there's really a lot less of that. there's, There's almost kind of a rejection of it that they are much more fluid and open with stuff like this. Well, you're seeing it, like, even in the statistics, right, if you if you poll, the, the younger the generation, um, the more LGBTQ sort of fluidity there tends to be. Mm-hmm. More people identify as part of the community. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, we're, we, we, we see that as well in, in, the, in the dating circles. It makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I kind of love it. I, I love that. I, I, know, I know a lot of kids right now. I mean, and again... We're, we're in Ottawa, we're in Canada. It's, you know, overall, I mean, we have our issues for sure, but overall a, a pretty accepting and open-minded place. And um, I know a lot of queer kids of all different stripes who are, who are in all different schools who overall are finding a good level of acceptance. And there are stories where they're not, but definitely I'm seeing a lot of kids who are having, who are really nervous, you know, on their first day of school, going in as themselves, you know, and everyone knew them as this, and now they're going as this, and and overall have found a lot of support from their peers. Uh, and that often translates into dating as well. I think it's great. I'm, I'm loving this new generation. Well, and that's, say this. Uh, yeah, and that's why I wanted to just mention that a little bit so that everybody could hear that, even, you know, whoever is listening, I think, because it is so important to realize that, you know, and we're fortunate too. We do live in the second best country in the world in regards to acceptance of our community and that. So it's a big one for us. We don't have, uh, you know, being inundated all the time by the bad stuff. Um, we've got another question that came in. Um, a person is asking, my wife and I have been married for 25 years and she has very strong LGBTQ plus learnings that have been part of the reason that I have been in the closet totally as trans. How long did it take for you to formulate in your mind how to do that? How to do, sorry. Yeah, like, and I'm, how to do I'm, what? Yeah, I'm tr- I'm reading the question and I mean, maybe they need to just maybe be a little bit more, you know, uh, allowing us to maybe kind of understand it a little bit better. Yeah, it sounds like her spouse is probably well, anti-LGBTQ anti, since yeah. she's and been, she has very stayed in the closet. Um, I guess the question is more like, how long did it take you to be an ally and become an ally? Mm. Um, so it... I think I 
I've always considered myself a pretty open-minded person. This is just something that I didn't know. So um, I had to learn. And being an ally, there's no end point to that. There's always more learning. There's always more to do. There are always mistakes that we make. There's always, you know, there's always a correction to be had. I mean, that's just part of it. That's just part of learning something that you don't experience yourself. Um, but yeah, I would say that it, I spent a few months actively questioning my old beliefs and challenging them. Um, I tell the story sometimes where um, when Alexis was first out and she wanted to go shopping for clothes and it was still very very new it was like a few days in and i took her to target um nikki do you remember when we had target do you remember target in canada that yeah. was a good few months um <laughs> Didn't we, we still have target yeah i know rip target we miss you um so i took her tajay tajay as they say that's right that's right i took her to get clothes and she was so happy and so excited and i felt nauseous i felt sick to my stomach and right. it, and i had to really examine that it made me so uncomfortable to look at it and it's like it's like examining anything it's like examining you know uh, systemic racism it's like examining you know systemic homophobia i had to really dig deep um and what i found out was that i had been taught for such a long time that being trans was um a choice a fetish a perversion you know, and then I'm, I'm trying to negotiate that with my child coming out as trans. Wow. Right. That's so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard. It, it, yeah. It, it, it took me a little while. It really did. Okay. So the person just kind of uh, restated the question. So they're wondering, uh, work out what to say to your wife when you're coming out of the closet. Well, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I kind of have them pull it out of you on a date. That's that's yeah. the process, right? Yeah. Have them pull it out of you on a date. <laughs> yeah, I said like, so you know, so are you a woman? So like, I kind of just put her on the spot. Uh, yeah, you yeah. have a great blog. Yeah. Post yeah. about uh, yes, yeah, yeah. a great blog entry on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, I, mean, I did. I did a lot of role playing with my a therapist. To come mm-hmm. out to mine. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She played my wife, asked me questions, and it helped. It helped a lot. It was, mm-hmm. it was huge. Yeah, and, I've yeah. I've done that as well. And then another thing that I do is I have the individual say write a letter to the wife, mm-hmm. not to give yeah. the letter to the wife, but to make sure that they've got a full good understanding of what they're going to say. Bring out that emotion, all of that, because as we know, it's extremely emotional and it can get derailed very, very quickly as soon as it starts, you start to come out and say, oh, well, I'm trans. Well, that usually when everything just blows apart. So, you know, saying, writing everything down and saying why it's so important to them, all of the things that I've suffered through in my life, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And then, you know, it kind of keeps you on track. So I tell people, well, take the letter. Make sure you've got it all in front of you and then try to see what you can get out or at least have it rehearsed three or four times in your mind so that you don't get kind of thrown off track, right? Now, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I will mention about 65 to 70% of the time, as soon as the trans word does come out, it starts to get derailed no matter if you want to try, try to stay focused or not. But yeah. it's mine, not mine was short and sweet. Either. I didn't get into... A lot of past well, history or anything no, like yeah, that, but yeah. You know, I mean, my myself. my wife thought I was going to tell her I was having an affair. Mm. She wishes I had. Yeah, 
right right well and i can remember when i when i came out to my wife um you know she already knew because i had told her before the relationship that there was this going on and that she felt oh i could change you (laughs) didn't work yeah yeah that always works you know, that works well. Uh, but I remember just saying marital conversion therapy. Exactly right. But I can remember just sitting on the couch and saying that we had to have a talk. And uh, you know, I said like basically like you have the choice. Um, and I started to cry and everything. And I said like you have the choice. I have to transition. I don't have a choice. Like this is going to kill me. It's either I'm going to kill myself, or I need to move forward. And it's probably one of the probably the most deepest heartfelt moment I've ever had in my life and just crying and all of that that came out it was brutal um she felt felt like it was like she was very compassionate she dearly loved me i dearly loved her there was no question about it we both cried and then within about 48 hours all shit hit the fan and then it was just total chaos for two years you know but there's no real good way to come out you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it is, it's tough, especially when it's this subject and you do have to come out and you do have to say and believe in who you are, um, you know, and everybody's different. You've got to kind of, and the other thing that is very interesting too is, is that you really start to understand what the personality of the individual is that you married, even if you've known them for 25 years, because all of a sudden you can find traits out of them, out of your mate that is completely different than what you thought they might've responded like. So it can be very, very tough this, that way. Um, so is there a good way or is there one way that you can do this? Not really. You know, you're just going to kind of say it. Yeah, I think um, uh, what I tend to tell families when they're asking, like, you know, how how do I come out to how do we come out to extended family that our kid is trans or how do we, you know, how do I come out to my partner? Because I do get that a lot. And so. I think if you really know the person and you know that they're going to or they're likely to react uh, poorly, (laughs) um, sometimes it's good to write them a letter. Like, I, 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 you know, I only because so I, I go back to our family. So I thought it was always fault. I dragged it out of you. (laughs) Right. But like my reaction to Zoe coming out was horrible. I was I was horrible. I was a garbage person. And that's because I was so shocked. I dropped an F-bomb and it was, I, I, I'll never fully get over the fact that I did that. But, um, but when Alexis came out, she sent us an email and that was genius. I mean, she's 11 years old and she was like, you know what? I'm gonna send an email to my parents and come out to them because uh, she even said in the email, please um, give this some thought um, and have it, and take a chance to calm down before you come talk to me. Wow, right? And that's exactly what we did. We were able to react all of the shock, all of the, you know, anything else that would have come out that might've been hurtful to her, she never had to see. She never had to see it. And then by the time we went into her room, we were super like we were calmer and supportive and ready to say the right things it won't always you can't always do that with everyone you may not be able to do that with your spouse but do keep that in your hat perhaps um 
coming out to extended relatives, coming out to friends, coming out to colleagues. Sometimes it, it works really well to give them that space to react or have another trusted person tell them. Like I, I told my parents about Zoe so that Zoe wouldn't have to see their reaction. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was just better that way. She was already dealing with a lot. Right. So I was able to talk to my parents. Yeah. So it was just little things like that. Yeah, I think another good way to do it too is that, like you kind of like you just said, is have an ally. I always try to find people that say, okay, who would be an ally in your family that you could go talk to to start, you know, come out to first, and then they could maybe give you some potential ideas and reactions and how it might go. And you know, so I always try to find a support system or mechanism in in the actual family itself. Um, Let me ask a question. Sure, go ahead, Zoe. Being trans yourself and knowing you were trans early on before your daughter came out, did you look for signs in your own children for that at all? I did with my son. I actually no. for stuff. Um, yeah. I never really did. We just we always just kind of accepted them for who they were and we mm-hmm. we honestly thought that if any one of them was gonna be gay or something, it wasn't her. But <laughs> <laughs> And that one is as straight as can oh, be. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, um, straight and cis as can be. Yeah. So no, I never really, and I think in part that was because I was, I had that stuff so deep down in myself mm-hmm. because I knew if I ever even glanced at it that it it was going to be trouble, right? And right. there was there was no way that I ever wanted to acknowledge the fact that I was actually a woman because if I ever even looked at it, I knew it would come out, and that's. You know, once that genie was out of the bottle, there was no... Yeah, you can't put it back in the bottle. We use that term a lot. Once the girl is out of the bottle, you Uh, can't put it back in. It was so funny because after she came out to me, she was like, I don't have to transition. I'm like, yeah, I think you do. (laughs) Yeah, we we say that thinking, oh, yeah, I I don't have to. I just need you to know. It was so sweet. It was so sweet. I tried. She tried. tried. And then a few days later, she was like, okay, you're right. No, I've got to go through with this. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it took, it took me a couple of years. I fought it a lot. Yeah. So there's another question that came up, and um, I, I'd like, um, be, and I have to be careful on how I do this um, when I come, when I bring this out. But uh, this one's to Amanda and and to Zoe, um, because there's so much negativity on the on the web um, from Twitter and Facebook, and we as trans individuals will. Um, you know, uh, we see all and we're inundated by all of this stuff all the, on a regular basis. Okay. And it's just something that it's a part reality. of life, or, you know, it's part of life and all of that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. one individual is asked, um, what do you do in order to be able to deflect all of that negativity from other individuals to continue to move forward in a positive way? This to you. Well, it's to both of us. Yeah, really. go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're doing what I did to you earlier, right? Like, and yeah, Zoe passes door. the buck quickly. Yeah, get, get him even now. <laughs> get him even now. Um, well, uh, there's a there's a few there's a few things. I mean, first of all, um, we have we have a good amount of privilege in terms of having um, support systems and safety, relative safety. Um, and uh, and access to health care and mental health care and all of that stuff, right? Um, but that's exactly why we do it. We do it because we can't. There are a lot of people who can't, who, who just are not able to for a variety of reasons, 
be as public and speak out at the level that we do because it just yeah it's it's um it, it, it was very dangerous um and I know for for me I would rather I kind of consider myself like the family shield and I I I really um my family as a whole wants to tell this story right but in ways that work for them like zoe doesn't want to be like an advocate zoe wants to work and yeah i just want to live my life very similar to alexis right yeah i find that just kind of living my life and occasionally doing these things that make us very visible is you know a really great way that i advocate for the trans community because it's Mm -hmm. just like you know, you see this very normal woman out doing things and then, oh, oh, okay, she's actually trans, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that I think has been huge, honestly, not yeah. to toot my own horn, but I think it's, it's yeah. very powerful. Yeah, um, it speaks and, volumes. No, I, I agree not to I walk around with the flag on your shoulder or tea mm-hmm. on your forehead all the time that you're just right, a woman exactly. out doing life. And yeah. like when I actually left yeah. my previous job for this new uh, role, um, quite a few people came up to me um, very tearfully, you know, and said, like, you've made, you've changed so many minds here, and you'll probably never realize the extent of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that, you know, just knowing someone who is different from you really powerfully changes Mm -hmm. you. And that's a huge form. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that, like, going back to the question of how Mm -hmm. you deal with, with hate, I mean, um, we just try and like drown it out with positivity, right? There is a lot of hate out there. There are a lot of uh, people who want to see um, trans people just not exist or not mm-hmm. have rights um, or, you know, um, not lead happy lives. Um, they want to see parents like us have their children taken away for affirming them. They want to see marriages like ours break up. So, um, what I try to do when I get up every day is, is, is fire back with a lot of love, right? I feel like love is a very, very powerful force. And what I hear from people, um, like when I, I left Twitter for, for a few weeks and when I came back, what I heard more than anything was, you wouldn't believe how much I missed you. I really missed seeing your posts. You were a light here and I'm so glad you're back. Right. And I think like that's and I, I realized it really solidified uh, what I consider to be a sort of part of my job, which is just saying, you know what? Yeah, things are really awful in a lot of cases right now for a lot of reasons. And there are a lot of really garbage people out there. Um, let's show the world what things can be like. Mm-hmm. And I think if we see more examples of that, we can really drown out a lot of that negativity until it has nowhere else to go anymore. The light is just too bright. Right. And so that kind of leads me into the last little bit of segment of our show. And everybody's going to know where I'm going down on this path, because obviously, um, you know. Fashion? No. Well, no. Fashion. Yeah, we're talking fashion. We coordinated today. Look, well, I noticed. It's like wow, and I mean, even Zoe's got the uh, the red chair behind her and, yeah. and all of that. She's totally coordinated. So that's yeah. Where's your red chair? You always have a red chair over there by the wall, yeah. Nikki. Well, I know. Okay. It's like right. kind of pushed it that way a little bit. Oh, just okay. to be so you know, but I do have a red chair there. Um, we did an episode, uh, and this the last question that we just talked about kind of leads into this. But we did do an episode, um, you know, when Amanda did kind of 
have the issues that had happened and being attacked and all of that. And we did that episode in regards to cis and transgender cannibalism. That night we did that. We did that night. We wanted to make sure that we we hammered that pound home immediately when it first came out. Terry yeah, it was a had, upsetting, very upsetting. Terry and I were totally pissed. Let's just say that just a little bit about how that went down. So I wanted to take the time. We, you know, we talked about this. We wanted to take the time a little bit to discuss that, that cis allyship, that trans cis allyship, that, you know, how this cannibalism bullshit continues to go down. And, it's, and we still see it today. And we're going to probably still see it for a while. But I'd like to go around the room and just hear what individuals have to say on how we can embedder that alliance of eliminating this kind of cannibalistic sort of styles and ways, because obviously we know the right-hand part of the, there are, as much as we don't like to say it, even in the trans community, there are that right-handed segment, that side that is only going to be negative, is going to only attack cisgender people, is only going to continue to focus on that. Um, as we're, when we all know in this group, we need to work together. There is no question, whether it be in any way of working with physicians, you know, therapists, all of that. I'm afraid the trans community would be thrown out on its own if it wasn't for this, this community. It's just that simple. So I'm curious to know what you guys would like to say about that. Zoe? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> I don't think it's a secret that I have kind of taken that position. And my message, honestly, has always kind of been that we're all in this together. Um, you know, the trans community is not very big, really, overall. And Minority um, of the minority. Yep. Yeah, it's the minority of the minority. That's exactly it. And, and um, I think trans people are extremely powerful and courageous and we can accomplish a lot um but we're not going to accomplish very much unless we have people supporting us because we just don't have the numbers and right. there's a lot of opposition and i think that it's a huge disservice to our community that we will nitpick over small differences in ideology or or beliefs in how things should be done and ignore the huge issues mm -hmm you know, of the people who don't want us to survive. So I think there's lots of room for those conversations, you know, about differences later, but let's get over the huge hurdle of, you know, being accepted first, and then we can talk about that stuff. So I think, right. you know, it's almost a war. Uh, I hate that analogy, but it's almost a war and it's pretty tough to win a war without allies if you're a tiny little country. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we, that's we how I look at it. I think we could use all the help we can get. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's plenty of room for some of those discussions about nuance later. Yeah. And I, and I think really um, it's, it's our, and I, I loved how you said that. Um, one of the things that's so frustrating in the community is when we have individuals in our community attacking the cis gender population on a regular basis. That one really bothers me. Um, I will be right at the forefront to tackle anybody and take anybody on if you're going to attack individuals that are allies that are trying to do the embettering our community right around, the whole, you know, on any kind of a topic. Um, you guys, I think, have been, you know, are fantastic in regards to that. I mean, I, if anything, I think people should be looking up to you going, this is how it should be. Yes, it's a shining example. Like a shining example. And how I, it can I, be I, a beautiful... You know, 
and wonderful example. I mean, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> we're trying to make your faces go red to match your outfits, yes, yes, okay? So That's all we're, we're trying we're, to do yes, here, all right? Throwing out that positivity. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, and, and we know what had occurred and happened to Amanda, which that's why Terry and I jumped all over that bandwagon immediately because we're both trans and we felt that that was absolutely not right under any circumstance. Yeah, that was just beyond ridiculous. It, it was beyond ridiculous. And huge case of shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. Spider. And, and so, you know, it's, it's sad that it happens in our community. Um, I think we as a community have to unite like Zoe said, we have to move forward in a very positive way. Like best best analogy ever, we're a very small, tiny country. Um, we need all the help we can get. Um, so why are we infighting with ourselves and fighting with the individuals that are trying to actually help us just to try to do, be an activist, to throw out garbage, to throw out the dirt, to try to do something that's gonna be negative? Um, right. The you know, splitting of hairs, the division, the constant oh, splitting off that, oh, you don't agree on this specific small item within the community. And so therefore, you're not my you're not my friend. You're my I fully, fully recognize the community is not a monolith. Right. Like mm -hmm. just like a country, you're not going to have everybody thinking exactly the same way. Right. And there's lots of room for discussion and, and nuance and conversations to happen there. But I think. You know, there's there's big issues and there's smaller issues. And mm. right now, I think the biggest issue is that we all need to come together and make sure that we have rights and we're accepted in society and can live fully as human beings. Yeah, that's that's know, number one. Fear. That's number one. To have one. the equality. Yeah. To have that's the equality, the rights. Right? And that's going to take a united front. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if we keep trying to splinter off and beat the heck out of each other and all of that sort of stuff, obviously we're not going to get anywhere. And matter of fact, it plays into the hands of the individuals that are trying to destroy us. Yeah, which is oh, yeah, because it's easier to break us if they can break each little individual sure. and, and I mean, faction yeah, rather and than I mean, the group as a whole. You know, it's yeah, like a bundle of sticks. You can't break a bundle of sticks, but you can break each stick in that bundle individually. Exactly right. Well, the old case, United we stand divided we fall right and i mean mm -hmm. obviously that's a big one but even you know some of the things that i really don't like too is and obviously it directly in with amanda's case of writing the book you know people coming out and saying that she's trying to profiteer off of this because she's cisgender it's like are you fucking kidding me pardon my language but this is unbelievable that somebody would even do that you know why why what do you gain out of that you don't gain anything out of that that doesn't do anything for anybody if anything with the feedback that amanda's had the feedback that everybody else has had about her book it's been massively positive i can't i i can't tell you how many times i've talked to trans people that have said if it wasn't for that book i would be you know i wouldn't be in the position that i am right um you know and oh well, wait a minute hold it isn't Amanda and Zoe living like a five million dollar mansion with Lamborghinis and everything else on the, you know, in the in the driveway and all that sort of stuff? I, I, I that's what I thought. Do people really think that? Oh, yeah. A lot of people. Um, uh, we we talked a lot about. Well, there was a lot of talk about about me being wealthy from from this book, and I'm like, I don't think you understand Canadian publishing. Trust me, I've seen her tax returns. <laughs> 
is not profiting off the backs of anyone. Do, do you know who makes the money in this family? It's not me. The engineer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really not me. And uh, but I mean, it, it you know what? Honestly, that broke my heart. It it uh, I'm gonna try not to cry. It, it's you know, but it it actually broke my heart. It really did. Yeah. Um, just because um, I I I really my intentions are always really good. It's not like I don't make mistakes. My God, I make mistakes. Absolutely. And, um, but there's a lot, you know, I feel like sometimes as an ally, we walk this fine line between, um, you know, people that, well, you you just seem to be in it for you. It's like, okay, well, there's a lot that I do. A large amount of anything I make goes back into trans lives and trans charities. I just don't talk about it, right? Um, and if I do talk about it, well, then I'm accused of virtue, virtue signaling, or I'm accused of, of trying to get an ally, but you, you just can't win. Um, and so it is, um, that was a really hard time. I almost, I almost killed myself. It was really tough. Um, but I'm here. And we are breath. so glad you're here. Breath. Are- breath. I'm you're actually doing like really breath. well. I'm actually doing really well. Um, you know, I've, I've actually held it together and done pretty well, done pretty well. Um, but, uh, except for right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make people feel sorry for me. I, I think there's always room for criticism of anybody's work. Absolutely. But there's a difference between criticism and personal attacks and, um, and, and character assassination. Mm. And what, what that criticism turned into was character assassination mm. oh, uh, and sure. there were a lot of misconceptions and a lot of outright lies that were said about me and my family which broke my heart my family mm. has two trans people in it right so to just dismiss everything that we do it's you know it it really yeah it, it was hard I've, I've given a lot of my life in the last little while to this not because um i like the attention the attention's really hard it's taken a massive toll on my mental health um you know we we've received death threats um we have to live so carefully we were you know the kids all know what they can post online what they can't post online that they can't share pictures of our neighborhood that they can't i mean you know we we mm-hmm. live my kids have had to have extra protection at school on one occasion for death threats uh, made against the school and against us. You know, I mean, it, it has been really hard. So for people to go, oh, look, Amanda was just trying to get famous. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, right. uh-huh. And it's so, it's not true. <laughs> well, I, you know, um, that would be... Yeah, you weren't I, planning on being a public figure, were you? I understand trauma. I live trauma. I have trauma. I understand not trusting people. I understand how horrible cis people can be to trans people. Believe me, I get it. But I, I think sometimes the anger can be misdirected. And I think in this case, it may have been misdirected a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, to coming to the forefront to just talk about this, you guys, is amazing. Amanda, I think you're an incredible individual. Zoe, I think you're an incredible individual. There's no question. And I really appreciate you guys sharing that because it is so heartfelt. Um, and the things that you are going through. Amanda, mm-hmm. uh, you are going to kick ass in the future, as we know. Um, <laughs> we have a little inside thing going on, but that's fine. But, you know, so again, people have to understand and realize that we have these cis allies that are out there that are trying their damnedest to help us. And we can't keep shooting them. 
I mean, what what's yeah, going on? Let's, let's not know? have this circular firing squad. It serves us no good. It, it doesn't. And I think probably if you want to be, and I want to make it very clear to other trans people, it may be on that right side that might be kind of jumping on the bandwagon with somebody else that's doing something completely negative towards the cisgender population. I think before you jump on that boat, I think you need to step back and do a little bit of thought thinking and a little bit of soul searching, because I think if you start to do that, you're gonna to start to realize, and it's gonna be very evident very quickly that all you are is hurting the community as a whole. Okay, and I want people to really understand that because I think it's really important. So yeah, don't just jump on the bandwagon blindly and realize that, oh, uh, you know, so-and-so said this and they might be a bit of a public figure or they might be known as being popular or something. Well, just because you're popular and you're going right wing and you're saying something that's negative, that doesn't mean that it's right. So give your head a time to think about it and see what the truth is. Because I think if you stand back and you do start to think about it, you're going to see, start to see the real true essence of what people like Amanda Knox does for our community and what people like Zoe do for our community. So please, guys, I really want to make sure that, you know, give it some thought. Don't just jump on that bandwagon and go crazy. Um, so any other thoughts, questions or anything that anybody wants to mention or say? I cried on your podcast. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. Why do we Why do we talk about that, Amanda? What was that like? Uh, how did you feel about that? Um, you know, I, I actually uh, I, I've actually done a number of podcasts and I have never cried on one, nor have I ever cried on a Facebook Live. So this is a real first for me. I'd like to thank you. I'm really glad I wore makeup. And today. it happened here on Trans Talk Raw. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, so, uh, you know, any final thoughts? Uh, Terry, did you have any other further questions or anything that you'd like to ask these two lovely individuals? No, I just want to thank both of you for coming on and sharing your story and being honest and vulnerable. It takes a lot to do that. And just mm -hmm. so wonderful to meet you, even if it is just virtually. Just, you know, are true, great, wonderful people. And thank you for all your work for the community and being who you are. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice to be on here. It's been our pleasure. Thank you so much. You too. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's been great to have you both. I'd like to say the same thing. Um, I am just so proud of both of you mm -hmm. um, and everything that you've done and that. Um, I want the whole entire community to really realize that if there's anything that you can walk away from this is, is that there's unification between the trans and cis community, and that's the way we mm -hmm. should look at this. And I think at any opportunity that we can get in the future to, you know, strengthen that relationship, that's what we should be doing. Don't just take the yeah. activist standpoint and jump on the boat of uh, being derogatory and that, you know, like I say, give it some time, think about it, make sure what you're going to say is going to be important, um, you know, because we are such a small community. We need uh, yeah. the help. We, we, we can't we, get, we need all the numbers we can get you know and I think uh, I think a lot of people I, I and I, I like to just say it in a in a positive light that I think that a lot of individuals out there really do support us but they're maybe fearful of stepping up and saying something um, oh yeah know. especially if they're surrounded by transphobes exactly homophobes. you know um, but 
even that, if you know, your thoughts are going to go a long ways to just helping us out. Because if you keep having that spirit, that honesty in your heart and that acceptance in your heart, I think that's going to be massive to helping our community move forward. So um, thank you. Keep both. doing what you're doing. Yeah. So keep doing what you're doing. And matter of fact, if you could escalate that a little bit, you know, like kind of get that happening as quick as possible. Okay. You want to you know, get that self, going? Self, self-care is important. You take care yeah. of yourself so you can take yeah. care of others. Yeah. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, Hopefully we can maybe get you on the show again uh, on a follow up to talk again. Um, We really liked everything that you guys said and what you stand for. Um, You know, awesome girls. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time out of your weekend to do this. Yeah. Thank you. Obviously, I'm sure you had a lot more important things to do than talk on Trans Talk (laughs) Raw. They won't be as cool things. So we, oh. you know, yeah, yeah. We have to go lay some stone now. Yeah, Nikki, stay on the line. I have questions to ask you. Yeah, okay, no worries. I'm willing to help. No problem. No problem. Well, construction consulting too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Trans Talk Raw and being with us today on our Facebook Live. Yes. Uh, Thanks, everybody, one. and for the great uh, questions. Yeah, it was great questions. Thank you so much for uh, everybody. Uh, you know. Uh, saying the things that you do and comments and everything else. That was fantastic. Um, we will be uh, having another show on our Wednesday, up and coming Wednesday show, which is always a surprise. But <laughs> next, next Saturday. We don't know what we're talking about yet. We never know what we're talking about. That's why we just wing this shit, right? Like we really don't know what the hell. Not always, doing. sometimes. You no. Know? Um, but again, and then we just want to let you know that on next Saturday's um, uh, interview, we have uh, Desti coming back on. Um, and her partner um, to continue on with our third part of detransitioning and then transitioning back. So very much an interesting uh, lady and uh, they have a great partnership. So uh, do join Mm -hmm. us for that. Outside of that, everyone, have yourself a great weekend and uh, we will talk to you on Wednesday and Saturday of next week. So take care and bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw. This episode has been brought to you by TransgenderLifeCoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for us girls to party. Join us again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw.